We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, we are live here at Imperial Pizza in South Buffalo. Welcome to a live edition of Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host. Patrick Moran, thank you as always for locking in, whether you're watching this on video live, whether you listen to it on audio in the morning, appreciate you all. This is an episode that I have wanted to put together for probably a couple of years, at least a couple of years. I am joined by two good friends, two of the very best sports journalists. Whoa, whoa, in- whoa, 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 whoa. Uh-oh. We're not good friends. All right. <laughs> Great acquaintances. We are great acquaintances. I can't stand this son of a bitch. You kidding me? <laughs> this is, well, first of all, again, most people are actually listening to this and not watching. I am joined by Tyler Dunn from Go Long and Tim Graham from The Athletic. This is a, uh, a special edition of Talk Buffalo podcast for two reasons. We talked about this over some wings, which we're going to get into in a second here. Number one, you guys are probably the only two people in the sports media that known sports media critic joe from queens at buffalo wins on twitter actually enjoys so you guys got that going for you love joe and also as the uh if you saw the banner this is a done with Graham podcast reunion man these guys not everybody knows this especially people who've only been in the podcast game for maybe a couple of years have been following podcasts for a couple of years you guys are kind of like in, in buffalo two of the ogs first, to this. first off and it's great to be here and honored that you would care enough about done with Graham to get it <laughs> back together. But we're, we're Pat really went above and beyond. And again, if you're even watching uh, right now on Facebook live or on Twitter or wherever you're watching or listening to this, what you can't see is that Pat went above and beyond and actually got everybody who ever worked on the Done With Graham crew <laughs> is here. They're behind the scenes. We haven't seen some of them. Uh, since uh, 2015, <laughs> and you really pulled out all the stops to to for, to make this a true done with Graham reunion. Here's how old uh, done with Graham is. I'm you guys couldn't even remember for sure when you started the show. No clue. No. Clue. <laughs> all I know is I say, hey Tim, busy tonight? No, no. 
Let's meet up at the spot, order some beers, right? Hit record. Very low budget. I mean, compared to the setup you have here, <laughs> Pat, it's um, we were basically you know a couple homeless guys down the street just deciding to talk football. But the video, the video, we would set up at times with a coffee cup, like a Dunkin' Donuts coffee cup, and we would like chunk out the uh, the styrofoam. So, so it right. would be held up and we would stick the and so we would have a video version of it or there was the one time matthew fairburn's future wife christina held it for, for the three of us and she panned back and forth upstairs at the swanee house that's for right. I think an hour and a half this <laughs> poor woman that's oh when I, I think that's when matthew knew she was a keeper yeah that's it right i mean so really we should take credit for their union that's oh, without question they're here I had a good time. I mean, really, honestly, I'm not just saying this. When I left the Buffalo News to go to Bleach Report, I remember getting together with you for beers to break the news. I was so sad to tell sure. Tim. I mean, I wasn't even moving geographically, but it was because we had so much fun just getting together. I don't think the Buffalo News has had a – all right. So they've tried a bunch of different podcasts since, and they don't stick. And I'm not saying that that's on them. I think we just enjoyed it. We did it because we kept doing it. We didn't have sponsorship. We didn't do it, but we did it because we had fun. I don't think you can fake chemistry. And I, I've said this before. I, I truly mean that. I don't think if you get two guys together, any two people could grab a microphone and just start talking. But if you don't have that chemistry, I, I kind of feel like people, they yeah. see through it. I don't know if you agree with me or not. I, I strongly feel that way. I could tell when I'm watching a lot of shows, you guys clearly have and had that chemistry. It's funny. Now, you started the show because, again, you don't even remember in the summer of yes, 20, 2015, I broke down a list because, and again, look at these show notes. Yeah, look at that. I'm prepared, bro. Anyway, he's done more here than we ever did for the all whole of our shows in combined. Show. <laughs> he just took the words out of my mouth. There's more preparation in those two sheets of paper in front of you, Pat, than we ever did for any of our shows. Well, I, I should probably say, too, on this sheet of paper, I got a couple questions from some fans that we'll get to. A little bit later, we'll talk some Buffalo Bills. Obviously, a pretty big uh, news week, and we'll talk about that. But going back to your podcast, and I get I get a pretty good amount of credit for doing a lot of these live shows, whether it's here at Imperial Peace, which I love. Talk about that as well in a few minutes. Um, and I've done shows at a bunch of other places, but you guys were doing this back in 2015. I this my podcast was three years away from even starting. I know this sounds a little bit corny, but I kind of got some inspiration to do that in part because I did follow you the podcast that you guys put out let me list just these are some of the places i couldn't find the original audio otherwise i would have went to the buffalo news site and stole the clips and maybe gotten sued for playing them but that would have been all right but i did find like some show notes from some of your episodes let me tell you some places that you guys are at if you remember or not you did a show at tom's restaurant in amherst um waterfront which is downtown wait a minute wait a minute, wait a minute. at tom's tom's restaurant in amherst that's what the show oh, notes did are. And because back when New York State went from smoking, you couldn't smoke in restaurants, and then they had these rules where you could, you had to have the glass partition. You had to like put smokers in like a fish tank, pretty much. And we went there, and we were able to sit in there and in the glass, and we didn't bother anybody. That's right, Amherst. Okay, and I'll we had a really saucy waitress, like <laughs> straight out of like a sitcom. Like she, we were like, because we would, if you were the help, we would say, come on, you join us. Like you talk to us, we make an order, bring us, you know, whether we were eating or drinking. 
Well, like we and she and she was like, oh, and people would try to tiptoe around. We're like, nah, don't worry about it. I'm hoping you remember the story though on the waterfront. Okay, well let's. Uh, okay, I, I've already okay. I've derailed already. Do you remember that? No, I like derailing. Okay, I'm gonna let you tell it. Yeah. I can't right. remember the name of it. Waterfront. Downtown. I think that's it. But what was the name of the place? There was there was a bar uh, down there. Yeah, um, right the and it's gone out of business and reopened a couple of times. Um, whoever uh, was there, Jerry Pagula like and this. and um, Doug oh. Whaley used to like to go there a lot. They would bring their own wine because they didn't like the wine that was on there. So they would walk in with <laughs> bottles of wine because Terry liked his Burgundies or his. Yeah. Whatever. Mona, we should get Monas on here. He might have an idea. You talk to Whaley. Ask him. Yeah. Where else here? Big Tree Inn, which is still around. Swanee House. The Lodge. Oh, the Lodge. The Lodge downtown. I love the Lodge. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where is it? Where was uh, it? Upstairs, we did it. Yes. Me and Rodak, we used to uh, go there on Sunday mornings yeah, after uh, I remember Saturday that night out of town. Back in those those single days, Tim. Lennox Grill. I did a show remember there. That. Remember that one? Lager House '95. I'm assuming that's the, the what the German bar is now. That bar yes. is not open that's anymore. That's the infamous location for the Doug Marone Done with Graham podcast. How were how was the crowd when you would go to a lot of these places? Zero. Like, would, there was zero crowd. Well, you did them privately. Or did you do them out we of the open? We wouldn't announce it. We so wouldn't even we would tell just these show places. Up. We would just show up, and we'd ask them if it was okay, and they'd say yeah. And we would do it in the at we didn't do them at night. We would do them in the afternoons yeah. mostly. So it would be a lunchy crowd or a brunchy. So there wasn't like this at all. There was no atmosphere to speak of, really. Do you remember who who had the idea to start the podcast? Again, right. you were both at the Buffalo News. I do at have the to time. take the credit there, Tim. 100 percent Because you had the podcast uh in Milwaukee. That's right. Bob McGinn, the legend, the Hall of Famer, Bob McGinn. Mm -hmm. Uh we started so honestly. I only got interested in podcasts because of Adam Carolla. I think yeah. it was like I had, I had all my music on iTunes. There was the podcast file there. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. What people talking and it's free. Might as well throw this onto the old iPod. Right? You didn't have <laughs> it on your phone then. And uh, Adam Carolla was like the the innovator. I mean, he did this stuff before anybody even thought about doing it. He just wanted to create his own empire. I found him hilarious, still do, listen sure. to him all the time, talk about him way too much. My wife probably gets sick of me bringing up Adam Carolla. Speaking of, she, she's watching. She's watching. She said, who the hell's the handsome <laughs> devil in the middle? Hi, Gina. Hey, Gina. <laughs> hey, Richie Lukasik in the house. Look at that. Uh, so, yeah, they started with Carolla, and I'm like, this is, I think this has, the, I think this is the future. It's, it's radio, but on your time, and people can listen when they want. So I just asked Bob, like, do you want to talk about the Packers? right here in your kitchen like i'll bring all the equipment equipment i bought i bought equipment and plugged everything in and i don't think it did anything i think we just talked into the computer and recorded what it. was your equipment when you had done with graham do you remember tyler's was all tyler's equipment it was tyler's impetus tyler ran the show he was the show and i was just on it and mm -hmm. we i was just somebody that we could have a conversation yeah. so really tyler brought the idea his, he bought the equipment, whether he expensed it or not. I don't even know if you owned it or probably whatever. Ex probably expensive with a journal and then just kept it with me. I, no, don't tell yeah, me. I, I didn't do anything with setup, nothing. It was, but yeah, it was pretty big. It was a microphone, and I think it was just right into the laptop, right? To play the music off of your laptop to be picked up by the I microphone. Know, I know. There was no editing equipment. It was done. It was one take, live, no... No um, normalization, 
no putting an ad in front or an ad in the back. We hit record and we did it in one take, and that's what went up. That was the way podcasting was though back then. You know, it's we didn't know so what the much. audio was really until we were done. And sometimes we had some bad ones where the outside noise was maybe too much, mm -hmm. um, or but we and people did. We would get some complaints, but by and large, people didn't seem to care. They were still listening. The content, yeah, the substance, they liked the it. meat, and there was nobody else was doing it. We don't want bells and whistles. I want you to struggle to listen to my podcast. You need to be in pain. You got to work. It's got to hurt. You got to work to listen to this show. Listen, so I wanted to read a caption from your, a December 2015 show, and this will give you a kind of perspective of how long ago this was. December 2015, this is what the, the show notes said. This week on the Dumb Grand podcast, we discussed Rex Ryan and the Bills head coach's disappointing first season in Buffalo with Tim Graham on the road, so you weren't on this episode. The news, Jay Skursky, who's actually still there. Syracuse.com's Matthew Fairburn, who, of course, now is at The Athletic and has been there since 2018. And ESPN.com's Mike Rodick. Join us to talk Buffalo. <laughs> Hold on. Join us to talk from the Buffalo Sports Garden in Orchard Park. Now, Mike's not even like the – there's been two people now at ESPN.com. What's the Buffalo Mike. Sports Garden? I think it's on Southwestern Boulevard, like in yeah. Orchard Park. By the stadium. Yeah. Does it still exist? I, I think, think so. it does. I think so. I think it does. I never really hear people talk about it. No disrespect to the place, and you know, but well, I we probably put it on the map. Had we not done that podcast, <laughs> it probably would have gone under. Well, you weren't there. That's why it was so successful. <laughs> I do remember that show. That was a lot of fun. You so we talked about, like I said, the that year, that you though, used. I mean, that year with Rex Ryan. I'm sorry to interrupt. That was insane. I mean, right. Was it fun to cover, though? The year to have a podcast and cover the team. Probably the most bizarre, just batshit crazy football season I've ever been around. It was something new every day. It was Rex Ryan doing an impersonation of the New York Jets' Rex Ryan. Yeah. And I had covered that Rex Ryan because I was at ESPN.com covering mm -hmm. AFC East. So when the Rex Ryan phenomenon came to be, much beyond just being the Ravens defensive coordinator, I was there for all of it. I covered all of those games. ESPN, they were constantly sending me to cover Rex Ryan Jet, you know, those Jets teams. Um, I was in the news conferences. Everything was fascinating. And then when he got to Buffalo, he was trying to do all the same things. And I kept thinking to myself, and Bills fans who would have been paying attention, but not all of them did pay attention to what all the other teams in the division are doing and sure. what the different coaching tactics are. But I was constantly writing Rex Ryan, as he did three years ago after a tough loss to the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, comma, buried a football in the back of the end zone <laughs> to show that they are burying this ga game ball or whatever the hell, and he had stole that from his time with the Jets and as his time with the Jets had stolen that from Belichick from yeah. a few, like it was like, and it was, it, it, it was just doing a bad impersonation of himself going to the world series game in Cleveland oh. with his brother, like while well, on a Wednesday, I think it was, which is supposed to be the busiest day of the coaching week. Right. Yeah. yeah they're just going to drive three hours to <laughs> Cleveland, watch a game, yeah, that come back, off. you know, all kinds of stuff. Like, that. I mean, IKN and Polly socks, Geno Smith, they, I can still remember being at Pittsburgh Pop with Mike Rodak, Matt Fairburn. We're like, what's, what are Rex and Doug Whaley talking about over there? Like, it's something, something kind of serious. The next day, they signed Ike and Polly. <laughs> I mean, LaShawn McCoy, the weird orgy thing, he called it. He said it wasn't a weird orgy thing, right? The female-only party. Um, Sammy Watkins. 
10 targets or more. The Sean McCoy, Chip Kelly. I'm sorry. I, th that season, honestly, one of us should have been taking meticulous notes and written a book about it. Didn't the Bills win the offseason yeah. after that first year? Wasn't was it the next year with, where yeah. Rex said that the Bills won the offseason? Carlos Williams didn't win the offseason. The cover of Sports Illustrated from the big tree with Jim Kelly and oh, Thurman Thomas. Yeah. He hadn't even done he hadn't even met the Buffalo media yet. He's on the cover of Sports Illustrated yeah. doing his thing about bringing Buffalo back. I will say this though, and I this is my mea culpa um, and I guess full disclosure, whenever I talk about how much of a gong show the Rex Ryan coaching staff and those years were. Well, first off, those Bills teams were bad. Right. I mean, they won, I think they were nine and were they nine and seven one of those years? Eight, eight or eight, eight somewhere, whatever. Nine and seven they just, with Marone, eight and eight, then seven and nine. Yeah, they, they were okay. The roster was good. Um, I thought Rex Ryan was going to be exactly what they needed. And the reason I thought that is because the Bills were pretty good in terms of personnel. And the Doug Marone team was uh, a wayward ship, uh, rudderless. And I recall after the the game against the Carolina Panthers in which EJ Manuel in a rare moment led them back after the, the bills were winning, I think by four with two and a half minutes left, the Panthers under Ron Rivera march down the field and score. And that's going to be that EJ Manuel finds Stevie Johnson. Uh, there was a, a kind of a weird Luke Keekley pass interference. Luke Keekley, middle linebacker was probably 30 yards downfield committed a pass interference, set the Bills up. E.J. Manuel finds Stevie Johnson. A great win. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking in the locker room after the game to Eric Wood and Thurman Thomas was in there then, back before Sean McDermott chased all the legends out of there. <laughs> and not a bad move, I don't think. That's mm -hmm. not a knock. I mean, right. there were a lot of hangers on. Sure. Uh, Thurman let the Tom legends hang out. Let them hang. Nah. Eh, well, we can talk about that. Um, Thurman Thomas was in there. Fred Jackson and Eric Wood all said the same thing. After the Panthers had scored that touchdown to go ahead, here we go again, same old Bills. A Hall of Famer and two captains, two active captains were pretty much saying, here we go again. That was a team that needed to believe in itself, and sure. I thought Rex Ryan was the type of guy that could come in and rev and, and do a 180. And, of course, he coasted. He, he, didn't, he didn't give it his all. Oh, how about this? Ed Reed as a co everybody got all worked up. Everybody was borderline erect over the fact that Ed Reed was coming in to be a coach. I was wondering yeah. what verb you'd go with there. <laughs> same thing that same trick that he did with the Jets when he brought in Gary uh, Doug Plank, the guy number yeah. forty six, the yeah. guy Mr. who 46. the forty six defense was yeah. named after. Brought him in, and he didn't. He was an it's a, it's all tokenism. It was all just like a hey, isn't wouldn't this look cool? Yeah. You know, it's it was all done for it was all performance art for him. I mean, he ate a dog biscuit at a press conference. He jumped out of an airplane <laughs> at the Niagara Fall, Falls Airport. He rode a bicycle built for two with his brother yes. at, at uh, the. He wore the Clemson helmet <laughs> to the podium. It, it was, was it was fun though. It, it was fun. Not, I mean, for our jobs, it was a riot because if Rex Ryan is going to conduct himself this way, the players are going to be themselves. Sure. They're going to be authentic. They're not going to be looking over their shoulders. They're not going to feel like they're going to get that call to the principal's office and told, oh, you shouldn't have said that in the media. So in that sense, I think Rex got it. He treated them as adults. You know, all of these players, even the ones who 
couldn't stand his scheme defensively. I mean, you, you get to the X's and O's, it was yeah. way too complicated. With Jim Schwartz, it was see ball, get ball. This had checks on checks and checks, and players running in, players running out. They didn't know what the hell was going on half the time. But even some of those players were like, I wanted to run through a wall for him. I mean, Eric Wood would say that. Like, his pregame speeches were out of this world. It was just such a fascinating time that came and went, right? People barely even remember that now. It, Seven, I, eight years I, I, I'll, I'll always remember him as one of the worst coaches because I always felt that the teams he, he was the head coach were really talented and they woefully underachieved. But as a reporter, or even as a fan following the team, and I'm sure as a reporter covering the team, I can imagine that was a lot of fun. Like I said, the podcast that you guys did was a lot of fun. You both still podcast today. Of course, you got Go Long, part of your brand. Tim has Tim Graham and Friends. Talk about, well, let me ask you this. You kind of have, I don't necessarily have to do your show, but in today's market, in today's world with sports media people, if you have, if you if you belong to some kind of brand, you almost feel like you need to have a podcast at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just enjoy doing it, honestly. Right? I mean, that's kind of why we did our podcast. It's it's fun to have an excuse to get together, drink a couple beers, talk football. I think it gets the ideas flowing in your head um, when you are verbalizing what what you're thinking about writing uh, and talking about those uh, 2015, 2016 bills. Jim Monas was the director of personnel with those teams. So you know, he has so many stories co-host and uh, the show go along. So I don't know. I, I, it's just fun having a podcast. I yeah, that's my thought on it, too. I And I guess more from a practical standpoint, I think it's smart to do because you never know what's around the corner. And that's why I do a lot of different things. It's why I mm -hmm. teach at Canisius College. It's why I do the podcast. It's why I just try to I do the television for Channel 4. You never know what's going to be coming. And so I want to be able to more seamlessly slip into a different realm of the business if need be. Now, having Tim Graham and friends as a podcast doesn't mean that I am qualified to host radio three hours a day, Monday through Friday. Sure. But I think I could probably better make that transition or people can believe it. If somebody ever wanted to give me that opportunity, they'd be like, well, Corey, you, we've heard your show. Um, if I wanted to get into full-time academics, I have taught classes, you know, that type of thing. So, so there is a practicality of it for me, but I don't think, and I think we actually talked about this when Sal Capaccio and I were on this show the last time I was here. Sal was of the belief that you do need to have a podcast. I don't. Now mm -hmm. I get paid. I mean, I have a sponsor. I mean, mm -hmm. it is worth my while. Sure. You know, Tyler has a website. It's a component for paid subscribers for mm -hmm. his, So it gives his audience more. He does exclusives. The Warren Moon happy hour was amazing. All the happy hours that he does. And I, every time you get one, I'm like, shit, that's pretty cool to be able to offer that. Yeah. You know, um, so, yeah, I mean, you need to be able to get to your audience in different ways. But I don't know that you have to. I don't I don't know that you have to. But I think that's it's fair. smart to do. That's fair. I think it just keeps your brain moving. Like, it, it, mm -hmm. it just keeps you thinking about the storylines of the day, of the week. It keeps you active. Keeps uh, you think, in it. think of all the times that you've had a podcast and you come up with an idea for a story that oh, you wouldn't probably have had. But because point. you're talking with somebody else, they plant a seed and you they start scribbling it down maybe. Exactly. And you might not even yeah. mention it on the show because you don't want somebody to steal it. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. 
And had you been sitting there in the emptiness or loneliness of your home, which we all do nowadays, we, we don't go to an office, we don't right. bounce ideas, you don't go to the, the coffee maker and talk to a guy in the business department who asks you about something. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's a great question. You don't. You don't get that. So being on the podcast really is for it's it helps keep your brain fertile. That's the word. I've said this to you both individually before, and you're both here today. What I like most about both your shows is there's not a lot of window dressing. And I'm not saying this to be sarcastic. I'm being actually being serious here. You know, you don't you guys don't have these fancy high tech cameras, these high definition cameras and these studio microphones with boom arms in front of you and these fancy you know, intro and outro productions and all that stuff. It's like it, that. It's nice sorry, when what? people do. Sorry, what are you saying? <laughs> what are you saying about my podcast? I work not, hard. There, I work hard on that. There's not a my lot. My production takes at least an extra twenty minutes. <laughs> twenty minutes. Twenty minutes. Yeah, twenty seconds here. I was say you got in by about nineteen, then probably. Uh, Tiki Barber came out. <laughs> sorry, real quick. Yep. Got Tiki Barber, who was awesome. Yeah. We had the written Q and A, but I wanted to have the video and the audio component because we talked on Streamyard like this. Mm -hmm. And I, and I knew Chrome is better than Firefox for StreamYard, but yeah. I, for, I forgot to transition the microphone onto the Chrome. So his audio is amazing, <laughs> and I sound like a robot from you know Gumbot on YouTube that we've been watching with Ella. So yeah, it's it's, it's rough. Window dressing though aside, in all seriousness, you guys both have really good shows that have a lot of substance. You know, like Tim, like sometimes you have you have a variety of topics. You know what I mean? It's not just bills, not just sabers. You take on serious issues when they're warranted. You know, some you have some light interviews as well. Same with you, Tyler. And talk about both you, because both your shows have co-hosts that I think are important. Um, in your case, Jim Manos, your case, Jonah. Just talk about your co-hosts and kind of having like some of that chemistry with them because that meant it is really hard to do a podcast by yourself. I don't know if you guys try it often. I hate it. I'm terrible at it. I need to have somebody to go back and forth with. How important is it the co-hosts that you have and what they bring to your shows? You're absolutely right because I've recorded solo podcasts once in a while, and 20 minutes can feel like three hours. Yeah, right. It's it's difficult. It's you've really got to have a um, I don't know what the word is. I mean, you got to feel really good about yourself. Yeah, to, to speak you that have, confidently and that you, long. You have to whatever your topic is. You have to have serious conviction about it, yes. Because yes. if you're getting wishy-washy, you in, you'll end up in your own head, and that's just me talking, like with other people. I've never tried a solo podcast. If Jonah's unavailable, I get somebody to come and join me. Mm -hmm. Usually, you know, somebody who is of a, on a specific topic. You want it to be natural. You want it to be like we're here at Imperial drinking. Which, by the way, I love Imperial because a lot of these bars you order an IPA like Hayburner. And they they compensate, you know, oh. the alcohol content will be a smaller glass. No, twenty four ounces paper, <laughs> right there. Um, so to answer your question, though, so Jim Monas became my co-host. It's kind of funny. Like I, I knew him a, a little bit. We didn't have much of a relationship when I covered the team. You know, I'd see him at the Senior Bowl, a little bit of small talk. He read everything we did. I mean, he respected um, the the media. He yeah. went to school for communication, so he un he understood our job. And so, I, obviously, after the Buffaloons went to Bleach Report for four and a half years, started go long, and I knew I had heard, you know, through some reporting about how much Terry Pagula loved Patrick Mahomes mm -hmm. before anybody in the NFL seemed to love Patrick Mahomes, and I knew I wanted that to be kind of like the first big story to launch go long with. And then, 
I reached out to Jim Monas to confirm confirm some things, and he confirmed it, and we got together to talk about the whole draft process at Resurgence downtown. Uh, he lived above Resurgence at the time. Mm -hmm. It was during COVID, so you had to order food while you had beers. So I still remember we had like four baskets of fried pickles. <laughs> Ate way too many fried pickles and way, drank way too many beers. But you know, it, it just kind of took on a life of its own, telling draft stories from yesteryear and all these different players, all these different teams. And at one point, we're like, you know what? This would make a really good podcast. Yeah. And I didn't forget that. So when it was time to do a podcast, you know what? Why don't we just get together and talk? And in your case with Jonah, he's like a utility knife. Like, he's everywhere. Like, that's a guy that could bring something. Jonah's no a dream co-host. Uh, yeah. And he could be, you know, he... And that's not to say he's like Andy Richter to me. You know, he's like not a sidekick. Right. He is encyclopedic on so many things. Yeah. Um, and, of course, it's a little different with Tyler having an NFL-only podcast because mm -hmm. that is what Go Long is. And I think you'd have to be very careful to not do an NFL podcast if you ever wanted to because your people sign up for that mm -hmm. and you have to give your audience. With, with me, I wanted to make sure that we had the versatility to talk about whatever, whenever. And so that's what Jonah does. And Jonah is the first, he's, he's the foremost expert on high school and college yeah. sports in this town, Yep. Um, which is something that's neglected. Now, we don't get into it as much as we can because I get a sense that people don't necessarily, but we, but we, we get into some topics, like over the course of the show. We won't mm -hmm. just talk about UB basketball or right. just what's going on with uh, Canisius versus St. Joe's or whatever, but his ability he knows everybody he's so connected he's so sourced and he does so many different things for his work he covers the bills he covers the sabers he covers the bandits he he's at these every things. tv press conference i ever see yeah. with a bunch of reporters he's always one of them no matter what team he it is, knows he loves the nba so he can talk yeah. nba he can t probably the sport that he was weakest on when we started this venture was hockey and he now probably has covered more hockey games than anything else over the last <laughs> year or so because he does it for the Associated Press and now for Channel 4. Uh, but the reason we got connected was happenstance. When I was doing the radio show, which was a production of the Buffalo News, the Buffalo News would send him down to videotape it or to use his phone so they could stream it. And he became a part of the show because you're not going to be in the studio yeah. with me and not be a part of the show. I mean, we're going right. to we're going to bust balls and we're going to. And if you're if I have an expert on something in there, hey, Jonah, well, tell us about this. And he'd get on a mic. And um, when I went to when I left the Buffalo News, decided to do my own um, podcast. It was natural. I mean, he was just it, he he could work in any job. He could cover anything in this town and be an authority at it yeah. if he if he focused only on that. But even though he's spread around, he's still in a, he he can carry a conversation and everything. So he's he's an amazing partner in that regard. Yeah, I'm a big fan. We're live here at Imperial Pizza in South Buffalo. I got Tyler Dunn, Tim Graham with me, a Dunn with Graham. Uh, one night, I don't want to say one night only because you never know. You guys might like have we, your own show. Yeah, it's not one. like we live in different continents or something or we had a big room. This isn't like the who. One night stands. Exactly. Right. Have we, you ever thought about doing a non-football podcast? Yeah. I mean, yeah. as part of Go Long. Like, could you, would you, would you feel like that was a not on brand? There, there have been so many times where Jim and I have, have discussed, like, we should do a, a dad podcast. Talk about fatherhood. Because we end up just BSing about, yeah. you know, 
It's the, cor- the Tony Kornheiser yeah. model. Like, it's guy talk. Completely. Or just whatever. Wait, Jim has got such a... If I can just talk up my co-host now a little bit. Yeah, man. Like he, I think that it's so rare to have somebody who worked in the NFL as long as Jim did. So he scouted for the Philadelphia Eagles area mm-hmm. scout, New Orleans Saints area scout, you know, in their glory days with Sean Payton. And then Doug Whaley brought him on as his, his right-hand man, director of personnel with the Bills. It's, it's rare to have somebody who's been in the NFL close to two decades and is as unfiltered as Jim is. I mean, he's he's out. He's he's content being out. He's, he's happy with his life. He works in the XFL. He's not in he's, the NFL anymore. He's not in the saying. NFL. That's different. It's, that could be <laughs> different things. Exactly. Exactly. And with that comes honesty in every yeah. possible way. So, I mean, and not just Bill's stuff. He's got stories from around the NFL, which is uh, I try to poke and prod and Get those stories out of him, and he's much obliged. He's good. I try to listen to almost every episode. I do. Um, Jim's fantastic. Peter, fantastic. Mike, we're going to talk Bills here in just a second. What kind of wings do we have? Dude, I have wings here so often oh. I don't even remember. We had medium. Medium or medium. They're medium here. They're medium everywhere. Chevetta's hot. Tim, that was yours. You love them. You love them. We had hot garlic parm, too. Those are some of my favorite. Um, This place is just so consistent. I, I really do. I, I love the vibe of this place. Every Parmesan time I come here. I'm yep. not a big garlic parm guy, so that was, I mean, but the, so I, well, I had them. They were good, yeah. but that wasn't something that I'd order, but the Chevette is hot. I'd order every day. Yeah. Good it's stuff. Really good here. A little bit loud, man. Nice crowd here tonight. A lot of people came out to see Law and Order, which is on most of the TVs. <laughs> see, this is right. that period after. Yeah. Stanley Cup, the hockey's after, over, uh, basketball. No hockey, you know, Got to get a baseball game out here, son. Well, I'm sure there's, you know, a, a player on a team that's in the best shape of their life. You know, worked <laughs> with the trainer, got the body fat down, right? Recommitted. I'm sure that storyline's. I mean, that could be on some TVs. Or, what? Know, what a, thank goodness for Stefan. What? What an effortless segue. Horse racing on one of them. Yeah, uh, like paramutual stuff or. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I want to talk bills, but when it comes to Stefan, look, I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat things or, you know, have a 20 sec, 20 minute build up to a question. What just, I'm going to ask this is for both of you too. What's your read on everything that's went on this week with Stefan Diggs? It obviously is a big story. And had he not went to practice Wednesday, I think this would have been the only story probably that fans cared about anyway, probably for the next five, six weeks. So he showed up Wednesday, but Tuesday when he didn't go to practice and Sean McDermott's comments, I don't know, just generally speaking, I, I want to hear from both of you. Like, what is your take right now on what's going on with Stephon Diggs? Like, what do you think he might be most upset about? Is it easily fixable? Where do you think they're at right now? Let me start. Um, my take is I don't have one. And mm-hmm. I've been trying to find out what is the issue. Yeah. And I don't know. And everybody's been really tightly lipped about it. Yeah. I've been told that it is not Ken Dorsey, if you want to strike that one off the list, because I, that's about all I could wriggle out of one of my sources. And when I generally come up with uh, a column, I'm not, and we've talked about this on the podcast, we've talked about this, whether it be here or over beers, and I've just said it on all kinds of different platforms. So people have heard me say this. Maybe they haven't if they listen to the, this uh, podcast. I would not make a good columnist like Jerry Sullivan or Bucky Gleason. I can't shoot from the hip. That is a skill to do, especially on deadline. For me to have an opinion on something, I get as much information as I can before I have an an opinion on something. So the fact that I don't know what the issue is, it might be something incredibly profound. It could be something really stupid and juvenile and silly. So at fault here, or if anybody really is, My only opinion so far is that this was an incredibly bad week for Buffalo Bills communications department or, or the, whatever, whatever process, everything had to go through of like how we're going to say that maybe Sean McDermott, this was him shooting from the hip. Maybe this wasn't talked out, but if this wasn't planned or expected or, not well thought out before Sean McDermott sat down on Tuesday, that in and of itself is a failure. And I think that there's a belief, I don't want to get too much on a roll here, but it seems to me that there's a belief that the Bills culture has been so established that it can run on autopilot. It doesn't. You have to maintain culture yeah. like you would have to maintain a marriage. Like It just doesn't run right. on, on, on itself. And so this was an instance where maybe they thought, all right, no big deal. We're going to get through this. Our culture is going to pull us through it. And it was self-inflicted wound after self-inflicted wound after self-inflicted wound from what Merck Dermott said to the Bills tweeting it out as though it were breaking news with a photo of Stefan Diggs looking like he's got an attitude and making sure that the C is on his shirt so you can see that this guy's a captain. Yeah. Uh, it was. You could have used any other pick. You could have used all kinds of pictures. You could have used this, a generic photo of a Bill's helmet. 
But no, Stephon Diggs is not here, and Sean McDermott is very concerned. The Buffalo Bills itself said this with thought. Um, and then the back and forth, he was here, and then he left, and then the agent saying, no, he didn't. And then the word salad that Josh Allen put out there, yeah. it, where you could, whatever you thought, I'm sorry, Tyler, I'm going on. Go no, on. go ahead, man. Whatever you wanted to think, whether you're Team Diggs, Team Bills, Team Josh, whatever it was, whoever side you wanted to be on, if there is a side to pick, we don't even know, you could take words, you could take significant sentences from Josh Allen's news conference and say, see, <laughs> see, yeah. because he said 50 different things that really didn't explain anything. It's not contract or it's not football related. Okay. And then his agent says it's not contract related. Okay. Uh, and then it's teamwork related. Well, that sounds like football to me. Yeah. You know, is it coaching related? That would be football, wouldn't it? Like, so what is it? Like, what do we, what's this, this word salad? Again, I'll use that word. And it was poor, poor, poor all the way through. And then whatever happened on Wednesday where they had to walk it on back was embarrassing further. And then Stefan Diggs still doesn't talk, which means we're going to be talking about this for another month and a half. So culture, bad week for Bill's culture this week is what I think. And I don't know who I don't I don't know why Diggs is upset. And until I do, I'm not going to have an opinion on that. But what I will say is this was a mess that didn't have to happen. What do you think, Tyler? My first reaction was to, to laugh because to your point, Tim, it was, I mean, first of all, this is the easiest slam dunk, grand slam, public relations pocket in the NFL calendar, right? Hope is in the air sure. for every team. I've been just the last few weeks I was in uh, Jacksonville, Tampa Bay, Detroit. You go into any market and you get excited about that team. And this might be the best roster in the NFL. So it's really easy to get excited about the Buffalo Bills. It's even easier for the Buffalo Bills themselves to get you excited and to get you buying season tickets and to quell any fears you may have. They had a pretty good spring, I think. I think they signed some good players, had a really good draft. I mean, we'll see if Dalton Kincaid works out. Got Josh freaking Allen. Um, and then they just stepped in it. Sean McDermott stepped in it. I, I, I chuckled because it was like one day I'm on the Bills Twitter account and it's Pride Month, and I'm clicking a link, and I'm learning about Zier and Here pronouns. There's the chart. And th th a few days later, there's Stephon Diggs with the Captain C, and they're very concerned. So hard turn there for the Bills. <laughs> Zier and Here's to what's up with <laughs> Stephon Diggs. Um, so, yeah, I, it's strange. I guess, I guess if I was to have a take, I'm kind of where Tim is. It's, it's hard to really have this – fiery hot take when we don't really know why know. you don't know like, why but clearly he went to buffalo he went to orchard park he showed up yeah. ready to i mean unless it was all orchestrated by adisa Bakari's agent by stefantes i don't think it was he came to participate had well, this we don't meeting. know that maybe it was orchestrated maybe he was coming just to talk and that was going to be it could have been could have been yeah but to have this meeting. That's where we're quibble. Everything's going to be a quibble. Right. right. <laughs> something happened, though, in this meeting. Because we've seen Sean protect players in that press conference setting. And he had no problem saying, like, very concerned. And basically, I don't know where this, where this is going. If, no, he, no if it was an excused absence, that's all he needed to say. On Tuesday, there would have been a follow-up question about, is it injury-related? He would have said, no, it's not. 
maybe there would have been a follow-up question about that. And he could say, well, you can ask Stefan about that, but we're not going to get into it. It's excused. And whether he wanted to add a phrase like, we're okay with it, we're fine, then that would have been the end of it. Everybody would have been talking about, well, how's Dalton Kincaid? Like Greg Rousseau, how's he? Von Miller's, he's read. They would have gone to their list of expected topics that they had ready to go. And then we would not, we would be wondering, okay, what is it with Stefan Diggs? And everybody probably would have settled on uh, probably a death in the family or they, who knows? People would have gotten, they would have rationalized it as not a big thing. Move on. We'll see him in, in at the end of July. This is a, a tumultuous time right yeah, now. I'm not saying that it was a, I'm not, I'm just, I was pulling that out as oh, a yeah, random, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. random example. Absolutely. Absolutely. So like, this is a tumultuous time. And look, you guys, when you work in this business, you know, you're going to get criticism from fans. Some of it warranted, some of it obviously not. But like this week is kind of like a slam dunk. This was team and head coach generated, yet you see it on social media. A lot of these fans are, are losing their shit and they're blaming the media. Like the media is driving the story. The media is making this a bigger story than what it is. And look, maybe there are sometimes, not this obviously, but maybe there are some stories here and there where maybe the media does make it a bigger story. I don't know who's to say. But in this case, I didn't even go to practice. Yeah. I went, I reported from home. I tried to do what I could on Tuesday mm -hmm. when this was a story. And I actually put a poll up. I said, I, I was supposed to be on vacation. Do you want me to show up to practice tomorrow? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> or do you, do I take off? Or do I, what know, was sleep the result? 80%. Uh, sleep in, check Twitter. Eighty percent. <laughs> Does it aggravate you though when, when you see so many fans blaming the media for what happened this week? Again, I know you got to roll with the punches sometimes when some people say some things as part of the gig to an extent. But like, how much does that get under your skin? Because again, it could be more obvious to every point that you made. And then Sean McDermott talking and saying, "I'm very concerned, very concerned." Said it twice. That's the story. That's where the story comes from. Not the media writing some bullshit narrative. I mean, personally, I, I'm not just saying, I, I really don't care if, yeah, good. if we're criticized in the media. I mean, maybe a, a message here or there, depending on where the criticism is coming from, might bother you. But I'm sure you've had this moment in your career, too, Tim. I mean, after I did that Bleach Report story on Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy, the Green Bay Packers, mm -hmm. and Aaron Rodgers sits down with his buddy Jason Wilde out there and, you know, blasts away and lies basically through his teeth and then I don't know all these fans who genuinely wanted to learn something and you know read an autopsy of what happened in Green Bay there's a lot of interest in that it, it, they, they read stuff they didn't want to read but they wanted to learn and then it kind of flipped with a lot of those diehard fans when Aaron went off you know he's, he's calculated like that he's mm -hmm. a master manipulator like that he eats he knows what he's doing he knows what he's doing right now um and you know, when the death threats start pouring in and I really just I deleted Twitter from my phone for a week and uh, ignored it. Hung out with my wife, hung out with Ed. We had no kids at the time. It was glorious. Mow the lawn, get out of there. But through, after all that, like I really don't I don't care. I mean, you, as long as you're confident in the way you're reporting something, you know, like the 13 second story we had to go on a couple of years ago. Yeah, it, you know that it's going to ruffle some feathers. You know it's going to piss some people off, and that's okay. That's fine. But as long as you're confident in it, uh, I, I guess I don't really care. I didn't even see that reaction this week. I, 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 I saw a lot great. of it. I saw a lot of it. What do you think, Tim? Like, we were talking about this over our, our Wings here at Imperial. Sal Mariano was, like, in the weeds with fans today 
And he basically said, what am I supposed to do? Not ask questions to athletes anymore? Is that where we're at? We're, we're not supposed to talk to them anymore? Fans prefer less and a fan, And a fan, which I got to admit, was kind of funny. I, I'm not going to lie. He says, maybe you should stop being so fucking nosy. That's what, that's what a fan said to a reporter. Maybe you, you, you want reporters in. who aren't nosy. <laughs> Just stay in the back. Well, there are plenty of them that aren't. Yes, uh, there yes. are plenty of them who will just more than happy to write about whatever is said at the podium and oh, right off the podium. Fine. My take on it is I think, and I don't know when it stopped, whether it was five years ago, 10 years ago, I don't know, maybe even more recent than that. I think I built up some calluses to that sentiment. I understand that there are fans out there that could give zero shits about our problems as reporters you see it sure. a lot whether it's man uh i got i got uh i missed my flight at uh o'hare and now i gotta sit here you know reporters will do anybody in our and people are like oh poor oh, you yeah. you're getting paid to fly out to los angeles <laughs> to cover a football game and you're gonna have to have an extra starbucks at o'hare <laughs> well you know like nobody ever has sympathy for the reporter yeah. and so trying to explain and and rightfully so right Rightfully so. But then there are also the people out there who don't understand what we do and never will and don't want to uh, because we are, by and large, assholes in, yeah. in their minds. Like these guys, yeah. they get paid to watch sports, mm -hmm. shut up, and when I need to, I want to be able to pull the uh, uh, pull the tap and, and give us information of my choice, and I'm going to choose the <laughs> beer I want, right? So yeah. they – they lose the nuance of how this information comes to pass. And if it's information that is displeasing to them or causes them anxiety or stress, like Stefan Diggs not being there, they don't, some, a lot of them don't want to hear it or they want to be lied to. And this is something that I've said before a number, number of times. I had a boxing uh, promoter once tell me when I was in my late 20s and I'd covered boxing for a long time. And when he said it to me, we got into a bit of an argument about it because I thought it was ridiculous. But as I've gotten older, I've not only come to believe it, I embrace it. And he told me one time when we were talking about some fighter who didn't deserve to be in the ring against the defending champion, and they were fluffing him up as being better than he was. And, every, and everybody knew he was, or a lot of people did, did whatever. Mm -hmm. And he said, Tim, sometimes people just want to be lied to. And I thought that was one of the most ridiculous things I'd ever heard. And no, people, a lot of people people who think DeAndre Hopkins is coming yeah. want to be lied to. And if you give them any harsh truth, then you're the asshole. And True. that happens in our line of work so much that I think I've just come to be somewhat numb to it. I'll, it'll occasionally flare up here and there, most notably with Matt Ariza lately. Yeah. Hey, Tim, when are you going to apologize to Matt Ariza for running him out of town? Well, this isn't how the world works. Yeah. Um, it was a lawsuit. I reported on the lawsuit. I didn't write a column. I didn't demand that the Bills cut him. Uh, I had a Florina Altschiller uh, on my show who is a former state of Alaska sex crimes prosecutor fantastic. telling yeah. me yeah. that it's a feeble case. And we talked about why it wasn't going to probably get to trial and all these other things. I was, I, I quoted Arise's attorney on the record. I got both sides on everything. And yet Arise is gone. The media sucks. Apologize. Get him back right. now. And you can't reason with people who don't, who who neither understand nor want to understand how it works. I can just add one thing to Go ahead, Pat. absolutely. I, I think that, you know, 
a lot of beat writers, not, not just in Buffalo, all, all over the country, any sport, are no different than anybody who lives on social media today. I think, by and large, a lot of people that are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, which if I ever start a TikTok, just shoot me because <laughs> it's over. Um, they they, they want to be happy. Go long readers might demand it. They, they, they demand it, then it's time. No. And they, 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 they won't. Then it turns into they go won't. short. <laughs> go away. Go away. I think a lot of like, like, most people want to be happy, and they want the likes. They want the retweets. Yes. They they they, it's, they want those um that, that dopamine response, the endorphins to give. They, they want all that stuff, and so like the beat writer, I consider myself a little old school, even though I'm younger than TG over here, thirty six, like. Coming up under Bob McGinn, Tom Silverstein, like there's a way to cover a team, to cover a league. And I think a lot of people who cover football, who cover sports, are in it, not necessarily to write a penetrating story that is going to help the reader learn something, good, bad, or ugly. Great. They're in it to get three, 400 likes because here's a 10-second clip of a player at a press conference saying something funny, and I'm going to throw some fire emojis in there and get everybody all jacked up and – that was my work for the day. Like that's how a lot of people cover the team now. It's a word I find myself using more and more. Pandering. Pandering. It's pander journalism. It's pander. And it's it's pretty it's rather prevalent. And I Very. think it's probably pandering on whether it's politics or sports or whatever. There's money in it. Sure. Because your popularity, your number of followers, if you can, I you might see, be able I to monetize though. it. I think there's, or you're able to justify to the boss that you already have. See, right. look what kind of look at this engagement, engagement. I'm getting. If you can sell the engagement, yeah. right? You're right. Because I look at it in a different way, being on Substack, where if I do a tweet like that, it gets a bunch of retweets, a bunch of likes. Maybe it strokes your ego and you feel good about yourself in the moment. It can earn you a dime. Like it's those deep dives on a team trying to figure something out behind the curtain that the beat writers aren't going to dig up. Sure. That is going to sell. That people are going to pay for. So I'm going to put my attention toward that. I don't want to refresh Twitter all day and, and try to get you to like me. The irony when, when Tim, when you guys said pandering, is uh, Joe, I keep bringing him up, at Buffalo Wins, uh, he's a guest of mine on the show sometimes. He calls me pandering Pat all the time. Says that I pander to my guests. I don't know. Maybe I do. If I do, I do. Hey, it's okay to just be a nice guy. Exactly. Thank you. You know, not, it's not always – being a nice person isn't always pandering. On, Finding the good in people isn't always You're pandering, Joe. But anyway, um, I did want to ask you, too, about Sean McDermott. Do you get a sense, I don't know how much you guys have been around him and all, but that he might be hard to work with? Or all coaches, maybe head coaches, hard to work with. I mean, yes. you got some coaches who've left, and I don't want to speculate why or whatever, but some coaches have left for lateral moves. Some coaches decide to take a year off in February, you know, just I don't, without knowing. Coaches like, who weren't fired, but took a lateral move you mentioned you mentioned the phrase lateral move yeah who weren't fired one thing to be fired and then take a lateral move another thing to say i want out and to take a lateral move with a lesser team yeah. no less yeah um yeah I, I think that he is hard to work for that not is not necessarily a bad thing um i'm sing that's a sing-songy way of me saying i i think there is friction there some guys are hard drivers i mean i'm sure that but you got to have winning to back it up at some point. And yeah. is a lopsided regular season record enough after a while? Um, Bill Belichick can get away with it. He's got all the Lombardi trophies to show. Chuck Knoll could get away with it. Tom Landry could get away with it. These are all hard asses. 
Don Shula could get away with it. There are a lot of hard-ass, successful coaches. You don't have to be liked by your assistants. You need to all be on the same page chasing success. So I'm not willing to say that one thing means plus or minus. Sure. But I do think that, yeah, I do think that he is hard to work for. Tyler, I remember having you on the show here at Imperial back a couple months ago, and you talked, and this resonated with me. You were talking about the team having a lot of regular season success, and a lot of these players like Tremaine Edmonds looking really good in the regular season, Ed Oliver, and then the playoffs come, and it was a disappearing act. Counting the head coach as well, you know what I mean? A couple last couple of years, the way they've lost in the playoffs. One dramatic 13 seconds, the other one was just a pummeling that they didn't look like they were ready to play on that day. You got to feel that way with Sean McDermott, too. It's like not only just being difficult to work with, but not that the seat's not hot. That's not, I'm certainly not suggesting that, but like him and, and then I suppose Josh Allen, too. Like the pressure right now, do you think is more ramped up this year than it ever has been? Should it be at this point? I mean, this is my opinion, but I think that if you are ownership and you're looking at the most important people in the organization right now, it's Josh Allen. Yeah. Look at how much he's getting paid too. Mm -hmm. He makes everybody's job easier. He's keeping people employed. If you take Josh Rosen with that pick, I think the coach and the GM are fired by now. Sure. So I think it's Josh Allen. Then I think it's Brandon Bean because he was behind that pick mostly. And then I think it's McDermott Diggs maybe after that. Yeah. I, I maybe we might disagree. I know you wrote a great column after the playoff loss. I, I think that another playoff defeat if it's a d depending on how they lose especially now that we know he's running the defense you're you're looking at a marty schottheimer situation yeah. right how long are we going to let this thing kind of drag on and on and on while we have one of the best quarterbacks in the league i think that pressure will absolutely ramp up and i think probably his biggest fault from what i've been told and it's a strength too because they needed this. We just talked about Rex Ryan. They needed this pendulum swing, you know, away from the country club atmosphere, away from the dog biscuits and the Clemson helmets and the nonsense. They needed somebody that's a serious football man to take over. And from day one, he was. I think he's loosened up and let guys be themselves over time a little bit. But still, I think it's it's a high-pressure environment, like even this time of year, right, like year-round. And when you're that boundly tight you're that tight and the pressure is that high all the time god it's gonna it's gonna break and it's been breaking at the worst possible times whether it's him assistant coaches players they get in these big moments and they just cave so if you're gonna blame somebody it's gotta be the head coach I mean, he's he's setting the bar he's setting the tone for everybody so i think i don't think he's on the hot seat i agree with you because of you know everything that preceded sean mcdermott sure but you've got to ask yourself some hard questions. If you really, it, it depends on how this season goes. If Josh Allen throws for five thousand yards, forty touchdowns, defensive meltdown, they lose again. I think you would have to seriously consider doing something. Um, we'll see. What's it, crazy is like, I think we all just assume that they'll get to the playoffs. Maybe we shouldn't, but we probably all do. I, nothing really matters to the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> really. Well, we learned that last year. I yeah. want to get to a couple fan questions before we get out of here. Um, a couple of these are good ones, too. Tony wanted to know. He goes, <laughs> part of this is a joke, but part of it's a serious question, too. He goes, I feel like having them talk about being long-form writers in a world of short attention spans would be an interesting listen. Then he says, you know, if you could squeeze it in between 
their favorite Brian Adams song and the race for the fourth quarterback. I went to a Brian Adams concert on Tuesday night, by the way. Or Joan Jett. Fucking great show, by the way. He kicks ass, so I don't know. I'm, I don't think you guys are Brian Adams fans. I'm a big Brian Adams I, fan before he got into the ballad phase. Okay. You know, much like, uh, or he turned it, he went from rocker to pop maker. chaser. You know, yeah. yeah, to money money maker. Sure, sure, sure. And there was a big difference, obviously. Sure. Um, but talk about like that, Phil that Collins question. type track. Oh, yeah, yeah, Phil Collins. Absolutely. I like Phil Collins too. But I'm a cheesy dude. I'm a, I was a mainstream 80s, like pop music kind of guy. So. That was definitely my lane. But asking that question, though, because you both are excellent feature writers, long-form writers, in a world where people are, you know, short attention spans are getting shorter. Just talk about that a little bit, like the challenges of still doing what you guys crank them out, and it's unbelievable still. But you know what I'm saying? Do you feel like that sometimes? Like the market, not, not the general, but at least part of the market anyway. You know, it's just people who are, well, I hate to say the word dumber, but they just their attention yeah. spans aren't as long they used to be. Makes you work even harder, I would think. You know, I'm hopeful that there's going to be a snapback, right? That there's going to be this revolt against where society is right now, and mm -hmm. that is living on our phones, staring at yeah. a screen, operating as these like cyborg like zombies without brains, being fed, you know nonsense into our feeds right like, everything's based on the algorithm everything is aggregated everything is like we know you like this so we're going to put this in front of your eyeballs this is what you will like this is what you will see for the next eight seconds and then it's on to the next thing i mean what what twitter and facebook and instagram are doing is it's kind of evil in a lot of ways like i just started reading digital minimalism which matthew fairburn recommended have you read that i haven't no fantastic Good. all about how we can somehow like combat what's happening in the world right now. And I, I don't know. I think that at some point people are going to want to take their brains back. I hope. Yeah. And, and, and say, no, I, I, I refuse to give in to this <laughs> and I will set aside 15, 20 minutes to read a story, Me too. read a chapter of a book, learn something because I only have so much time on this planet and I want to be an actual human being with my own thoughts. So I think that's kind of what we're both banking on in, in you know, the sports world that, folks would like to actually learn something and not just hate the media for being negative and talking about, you know, like you were saying earlier, um, Ethan Strauss wrote a really great, great column. We talked about it a little bit this week to your point or to Tony's point. He, he basically wrote, it's kind of depressing <laughs> that uh, like TikTok zoomers are replacing sports writers. Yeah. And he kind of took a leap with the athletic playoffs and like the rise of the, is it the, Cavender twins, those basketball players, and Olivia Dunn, and you know a lot of these females in sport, college sports, like they're not even that good. That the basketball twins are, they're okay. They're not like WNBA players, but they're making millions. And baby Gronk, baby Gronk, ten I mean, years old. 10? A little video clip is generating way more revenue than the beat writer. I'm not there yet because I think that people, I think there's a, a niche of of people out there who still want to learn, still want to read. And I'm a one-man band, so I'm not reliant on a corporation to sure. wage these wars and and, and, and hope that I'll, most people want to go the other direction. I'm just, you know, if a few thousand people want to keep reading, great. <laughs> we'll see. It is, it is worrisome, though. No, it's, I'm sure we think about it all the time. 
we can all agree attention spans are getting shorter. Yeah. It's harder to get through. You still break through to people. I mean, if you're good, people are going to find you and they're going to read you. You know what I mean? But it's like, it, it probably is getting harder and harder because of just how people are nowadays. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. That's I, I kind of agree with you that. You are. I mean, people are living simulated lives, yeah. right? Push a button, get food delivered. No. Push a button. This person drives you there. Like what we're doing now, hanging out, drinking beers. You're one of them at our phones. It's kind of it's kind of strange. You're one of the more old school mid thirties guys that I've ever known. Which yeah. is that, that's a compliment. Maybe because I went bald at eighteen. Right? <laughs> Tim, Jer Jerry, Jeremy asked. He said, "Talk about being friends, like in a business that's also competitive for stories." Well, like say for example, you guys or other people, you yeah. know, your colleagues. It's a great question. Well, oh boy. Um, so, uh, Tim, why don't you take the floor for this one for a bit? All right. So I'll confess, I'm not friends with a lot of people who I work alongside mm -hmm. and not by design. It's not because we're competitors. I, if I find you to be an asshole, I don't like you. Right. And that's as pretty simple as it is. Um, when I was down in, all right. So when I covered the Sabres, let me take a step back. When I covered the Sabres up until 2007, everybody got along. Whether it was Empire Sports Network, which didn't exist by 07, but I'm talking, you know, I covered Empire Sports, WGR. Uh, we all did each other's shows, two, four, seven. Yeah. Um, we, we all that. got along. We weren't at each other's throat competitive. I was in a place where I felt like I was kind of the, don as the Buffalo News reporter, not because of me, but as the Buffalo News reporter who covered the games on the road, probably covered 72 out of the 82 games. I felt I was the authority. That was like maybe that was a little arrogance, but that was my, you know, I didn't want I didn't want anybody else to get a story, you know. I was competitive in that regard, sure. but we all got along. No problems. When I went down to Miami to cover the Dolphins, it was so competitive. Everybody hated each other. Uh, Twitter was just becoming a thing. The Miami Herald reporters would block the Sun Sentinel reporters accounts so that way they couldn't see when a story was first tweeted or broke it would cause them at least a few more minutes delay mm -hmm. uh palm beach Bowl. everybody nobody i mean it was maybe a respect that we had but we weren't friends we didn't hang out when i came back to buffalo i took that with me a little bit and i said if i'm ever back on a beat i'm gonna make sure that we're not like that you know like let's all be friends mm -hmm. and i think from outlet to outlet that's the case but there are some people, I mean, I'm not friends with everybody. Um, and it's just because I don't agree with how they operate. Um, and that could be for any, it could be professional or personal. Um, but I do think it is important to not consider your competitor an enemy because it is super unhealthy. Yeah. It is healthy to want to walk through those doors every day and see people that you like. Not You're not walking through there because you're going to war or right. you're going to end up sitting next to the, in the press box next to somebody you can't speak to or, or you, you know, so it's just not, it's not healthy. That's fair. I, were you going to say something? I, I'd love to add a few more things. Oh, absolutely. So right. Go ahead. I just, uh, I mostly agree with everything you said there because it's like, this is your job. This is your life. You were, do you really want to be miserable and go to war every day? And, I mean, we we were friends with other people. I covered just the last night with John Morrow, and we do that regularly. He yeah. and I are competitors. Yeah, and we actually share ideas. 
he was telling me a story he's working on. And I thought, and we were talking about what, a, what would be the lead on this. And we're like, oh, that's a good idea. And we start bouncing ideas off each other. Technically, we're competitors. Mm -hmm. But I think he helped me write a story. I helped him write a story in terms of the thought process. Because in, in the end, you also have to have enough confidence that even if we're writing the same story, I think mine's going to be better than yours. And he thinks his is going to be better than mine because he's going to make an extra phone call or he's going to approach it a different way. And we're comfortable in it because, you know, we're not in a dick measuring contest. Yeah. We're comfortable yeah. in where we are right. Right. and we're both going to write a story. That's great for everybody. And yeah, we're like, let's, yeah. all right, I'm writing that too. Here's mine. Oh, there, here's my, oh. See, I, I, don't like, nice. I don't like telling people what I'm working on. I do like, I like staying in the dark a little bit yeah. competitively. And it was really interesting in, in Wisconsin to bring it back there because, I mean, Bob is the most competitive person in the business I've ever been around. And it, it it definitely rubbed the competition the wrong way. At training camp, I mean, he doesn't – he wouldn't talk to other writers at other publications. Mm -hmm. He's zeroed in. He's working. There are some reporters eyes. who won't even help out reporters at their own publication. That's true. Because they are so – paranoid that they don't want somebody else's success to knock down their success because if you're successful that makes me look bad that's incredible so i'm that not going to share a phone number with you or i'm not going to share an idea with you or maybe i'm hearing something i'm going to keep that to myself i mean how that's how insane some people can get but by and large i feel like the problem today is and i i'm just kind of thinking of where the packers beat is now and talking to people at some other beats it's it, it i think it is a little too friendly honestly Sure. I, I think some beats are too chummy that they might be in a locker room, all getting quotes, all share each other's quotes, all like transcribe Maybe that's as good, a Tyler. No, I, I think that's kind of it's good for me. It's yeah, good for you. It's good for us. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I should shut up. I mean, <laughs> it is great. No, all, all everybody that's working as an amoeba continue to do so. That is what you absolutely you should do. But it makes no sense. I guess if you're getting paid. If you're getting a salary, you're getting paid regardless. You want to punch in, punch out. I have to post matter. a story today. I got to post a story. I'm going to write up, like you said earlier, right out the right up the podium. And you don't really care, then you would operate that way. But shit, don't, don't you want to do something different? Be original. Write something fresh. Report something fresh. Like go the other direction. Like it's kind of wild to be in some of these locker rooms and I kind of parachute into all these different markets now. I'm not. I'm not shit talking everybody. There are a lot of really good reports sure, out there. Absolutely. And you know, a ton. I could I could list them off one by one. But a lot of beats, it's kind of like there's a player talking and everybody just moves to that player. And they all write the same stuff. They all share the same quotes. Like, don't you want your publication to rise up and be independent? Yeah. You know, I go somewhere, I'm like, I better do something different that's gonna make people want to subscribe. So like I said, everybody continue to operate as amoeba. I'll get all, but there is a healthy balance. You can be friends with people that you're competing against and still want to you know, kick their not, ass. not kick their ass competitively. Yeah. We, we were like that the one year, you know, Mike Rodak, Matt Fairburn. I mean, these are some some of my best friends, you know, in the business. So I think one of the guys who I and we uh, we get along great, and we did we didn't really at the time because we were still didn't know each other. But when I was in my, me, B versus Jeff Darlington and Arm Armando Siligero was a pretty good, Man, pretty there's, good dust. There's a, there's a fight. That was a, on a daily basis. Sure. Um, and uh, we didn't talk much at the time, but we do now. Yeah. But that was, I, I think that if I'd stuck around there a little longer, we eventually would have gotten to a place where we are now. But at the time, we were like, man, just haymakers. I mean, this was the, 
one in 15 year and the wildcat coming in next and Parcells and Cam Cameron gone after one year and Heisinga selling the team and Ricky Williams back from a weed suspension and Zach Thomas done for the year. Jason Taylor's on Dancing with the Stars and Parcells can't stand it. And this was it was every day we were coming up with something. It was fun. It was and uh, and we uh, we we weren't enemies. We just didn't sure. We just didn't know each other at the time. Sure. We just I, but and now we are all buddies. Yeah. I got two more questions. This one's for Tim. I know you've told this story before, but this guy listens to every episode. He says, Mark David, to celebrate the Done With Graham podcast reunion, can you ask Tim to tell you the Doug Marone story? You can't do it quickly. I think that was a whole episode. And there are so many different things that I, the little things that are as hilarious as the big things, yeah. that to do it in a short period of time would do, we'll it, do it injustice justice. because I would leave something out important probably. Um but it was amusing to me. And I think had it come at a different point in my career, I would have been scared shitless, yeah. but I wasn't. I was established at the time. I was in my, what year would that have been, Marone, as head coach? 2013 or 14. No, oh, he was after Ryan, right? He no. was after Rex. Oh, no, he was before or he, Rex. Oh, I'm before sorry, Rex. that's right, that's right. He was, yeah, he was before Rex. Right when Terry bought the team is when he left. So, um, yeah, so I'm in my in my mid, early to mid forties at the time I'd been, I'd been covering the NFL for a long time. I didn't have much respect for the PR guy who called me into the meeting. So I, when I sat down, I was kind of, I had a DGAF attitude and I kind of let them know it and yeah. they didn't like it. They didn't like that. I wasn't scared and the meeting had some twists and turns. And by the end of it, Doug Marone was MF and his PR guy uh, with him out of the room <laughs> Uh, had a dip in his mouth, was sitting on the chair backwards. I think he taking his suit cut out. Like now we're two dudes talking. Uh, but it was over just to give a quick, I mean, because people probably wonder what the hell. I had tweeted, EJ Manuel had a knee injury. Doug Marone said he was going to play. Um, turned out he had he ended up having surgery that week, and now he wasn't going to play going into a game against the Patriots. So on Twitter, people are going crazy, and I kind of compared it to a boxing promoter. And I said that Doug Marone was saying things for effect, much like, you know, we were talking about he was trying to get his team encouraged for the week. He didn't want to say that EJ was done for the year. He was trying to say something to get him through the day and to keep his team having hope going up against Tom Brady in Foxborough. And so I was trying to explain that Marone was wrong. He was saying things for effect. The conversation there went down the boxing analogy to which I said something about Don King being a liar. You know, sometimes they just lie. That turned into, are you calling me a liar? And I was saying no. And then I had to explain to him how Twitter works and what the phrase for effect means. He's like, what do you mean I say this for effect? And I said, well, you're trying to. And, I, and he's like, no, no, no. What does for effect mean? And I was like, oh, yeah. So the, in my mind, I'm like, this is getting more. This is getting worse. For him. You know, it's like, uh, and I'm not, anyways, it was just, it was, the upshot is, he gets on the plane, sits next to Russ Brandon. According to Russ Brandon, says you cannot believe what just happened, and he and he blasts the PR guy again for setting it up. The PR guy says it was Marone. Like after the fact, he Scott Birch told us since told me it was Marone's idea. Who cares? Uh, it was embarrassing. 
and I was not sworn to being on the record or off the record. So fuck off. <laughs> you want to do this? But the thing was, they're about to go play the New England Patriots. This is hap. Oh, I guess they left that. It's happening at the airport before they're yeah, boarding so the, the plane. Best, the best part, it's yeah. at an airport hangar yeah. at the uh, private. You know, in the, with like the like we got Law and Order still on the TVs. It was like an inter- like a, a break room with one light hanging over a table with a <laughs> mini fridge and a sink. And you know, it's every, the whole rest of the room's dark, and the PR guys back in the corner in the shadows. And they're about to go play the Patriots. And Marcel Darius is going to be he's going to be benched, so he's about to go into this game without one of his most important. And this is what he's concerning himself with before boarding a plane <laughs> to go play the New England Patriots. Amazing. He's not looking at film or taking a look at the game. He wanted to find out if I thought he was a liar, and probably because the PR guy got in his ear and said, "Tim Graham's calling you a liar." He's probably like, "What?" He, it was all ginned up, and it was stupid and quite funny. <laughs> quite revealing really i mean you you gotta look uh, but, inside yeah. the psychology of the person running the buffalo bills i got an uh, yeah they they have basically allowed me to see how yeah. awful it is <laughs> if they right <laughs> this is what we concern ourselves with coaches who the get PR guy pull, tweets he scott birchstold pulls it's folded up lengthwise <laughs> like this and he's like so marone sits me down and birchstold standing at the table and no, I'm, I'm just because that's fine. Sorry. And so Marone says, so you think I'm a liar? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and he's like, and then Birch told out of his suit pocket, what about this? <laughs> and, it's, and, it's, and it's my tweets and highlighted. And, and I knew that's why I was being called in. So I was already like, I was kind of, and as soon as he did it, I was like, here, giddy up. All right, let's, get, let's oh do my this. God. At the airport hangar with Lord knows who they bring into that room. Right. At the airport. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I had one more question, but it's not even important. I what perfect way to end this episode <laughs> by hearing that story. But the bills aren't dysfunctional or weren't at the time. They weren't. No. They were not. You said he threw off his suit coat. That reminded me of when I went to Syracuse and he became the head coach at halftime of a basketball game. Real guy. To like re- introduce himself to the students. He went out on the basketball court. He said, if you don't know me, I'm the kind of guy that's got to take my coat off. And he ripped the suit off, and he professed his love for Syracuse. That this that was the dream job. He'd be there forever. I think he, you know, lasted a couple seasons. Right. You, uh, you guys both have up. a you guys both have a podcast. When you end your shows, does it feel natural to you? I say that for this reason. We're at the end of this episode, and I've been doing this now. It's like 500, I think, 86, 587 episodes. That's a lot of podcasts. Well, I still don't feel comfortable and have a natural way to end my episodes. Like, is there anything specific? Like, do you have, uh, actually, I listen to clock. Shows, so I know this just clock. clock. Yeah. <laughs> no specific Wait. way to end it. Stumble and limp. And yeah. Stumbling to the finish line. line. That's about it. <laughs> All right. Well, we were here live tonight from Imperial pizza. Can't thank these guys enough, man. Two of my absolute favorites, by the way, two people that I haven't, Known you guys in person for all that long, but our relationship go back to the early aughts. Absolutely, man. And I remember hitting you up about some Joe Macy stuff, and you were kind enough when you worked at ESPN.com, and I had my blog that you would put up a link to some of my stuff. And Tyler, man, we're going back. Holy shit! What 2006? <laughs> some like that around football report Buffalo days at Scout.com. Shit, that's man. right. Tyler was like, that was my boss, man. <laughs> I think you've done all right for yourself, too. Oh, my God. That's another podcast. Yeah, <laughs> that was fun. 
Tyler Dunn. Back, and you know my wife. Oh, man. Very good. Friends. Very good friends with Gina. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, for Tyler, for Tim, I'm Patrick. Thank you very much. Be back with another episode soon. Take care, guys. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com